Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I made a deal on a vacation home that wound up siphoning off way too much money out of my household. That was not a smart real estate investment. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Greg Rand. Hi, Greg. Hey, Joe. How are you? I am doing extraordinarily well, my friend, because I'm looking forward to our conversation. Greg is joining us from Charlotte, North Carolina. He has been in New York for a little while, but he moved down to North Carolina because, as he said, he realized he was a Southern guy and he wanted to stay true to his Southern mentality and and what what he wanted to do. And I told him before the show I can empathize because I'm from Texas, lived in New York for 10 years, and now I'm in Cincinnati and and doing my thing over here. So um, a little bit about Greg and before he gets into it in more detail, Greg's the CEO of Own America and the incoming president of Investability.com, the world's first national investment search portal. He's been investing advisors for 20 plus years from institutional funds to individual investors. He's a real estate contributor on Fox Business Network and the author of the best-selling book, Crash Boom, Make a Fortune in Today's Volatile Real Estate Market. With that being said, Greg, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. Um, Thanks for having me on the show. First of all, I grew up in the real estate business. my first jobs going through you know, junior high and high school were working in a real estate brokerage company. And then 
getting into the business on the corporate level and on the investment level and basically every level. I've had a 360-degree view from brokerage to mortgage and title to technology. Uh, and the entire time, it always mystified me how a product so powerful in terms of its ability to create wealth is handled by an industry that is so non-serious. And what I mean is the, the industry of, of home ownership, you know, the the people that buy and sell houses, the industry that buys and sells houses or facilitates that is large, is 99.9% focused on the owner-occupied home buyer. And the investors like us are pretty much left to our own devices to figure this out ourselves with help from guys like you, but not with help from the industry of brokerage and technology that is so pervasive across the country, but only really geared towards the home buyer. So we're left Sending for ourselves, figuring it out for ourselves, and using tools and technologies and real estate companies that don't really have a clue and weren't designed around what we need, so we have to make the best of it. That always bugged me. And then back in uh, 2007, I realized the housing crisis was going to give way to an investment boom like we'd never seen before. And so it was time. It was time to build a business that was going to facilitate investors at every level from the the aspirational first-timer all the way through the professional investor to the large portfolio owner, and then finally at Wall Street to the the mega portfolio institutional funds. So it's been great because the last five years, what I've been dreaming about for 20 has finally come to pass, which is that a professional industry has taken shape around single-family investing. Can you talk a little bit about that professional industry? What are you referring to when you say that? Well, if you... If you think about what happened in the last five years, as the housing crisis attracted a lot of Wall Street capital, when a person wants to buy one house and then another and then another, whether they're building a small, mid-sized nest egg for their retirement or whether they're uh, you know, dealing in finding and flipping properties and, and being more active, in both cases, they're working with their own calculations, usually their own data usually their own spreadsheets for analysis. They may have found a real estate agent who's halfway decent, but likelihood is they went out, got a license because there wasn't all that much really help and support from the local real estate community, and they were kind of on their own to put it together themselves. But when Wall Street Investment Fund wants to go buy 10,000 homes in 20 markets, manage them as efficiently as possible, go public or issue bonds against their rentals, which both of those things have happened via clients of ours, there's got to be better data, better information, better technology, more professional management and transparency in property management. I mean, Joe, it was, it was not a, three years ago that I saw a billionaire titan of multifamily investment say that nobody will ever be able to successfully manage a national single-family portfolio because how are you going to cut all those lawns after all? As if cutting 5,000 lawns, I mean, it's a pain in the neck, but it's not exactly landing a man on the moon. You know, it's just a, it's a management function, an operational function. But literally, it had never been done, and so there were some pretty smart naysayers. But all the things that had to be done, the technological analysis, the use of cloud collaboration between people on the field and people a 1,000 miles away or more doing the evaluation and acquisition, all that stuff had to be done because it wasn't a local investor who was going to go there and see it himself or herself, manage the process themselves. And so we stand here today with, like, I mean, Own America is a national brokerage operation that has sold thousands of properties through agents on the ground, through our systems, to Wall Street funds who 
really knew what they were buying and were able to understand the analysis and run the analysis through their numbers based upon there being professional capacity on the ground, technology to analyze, and data to analyze with to make high-volume but smart and transparent buying decisions. All that technology, think of it this way. All the technology that was built for Wall Street to invest in the housing market is now available to small and mid-sized investors. It wasn't, it's like this. It's like, you know, they didn't build the internet so that you and I could do a podcast. They didn't build the internet so that you and I could buy sneakers or books online. But yet we can do podcasts, buy sneakers, and buy books online now. So what was built for a bigger purpose, maybe than just us, is now able to be adapted and applied to us to the benefit of us. So property analysis, property selection, property, uh, you know, data to bounce your property decisions, your investment decisions off of, and then the ability to invest anywhere in the country because of the, the cloud and the transparency and the streaming video and the national management infrastructures that are in place. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. When you talk about the, you know, the property analysis, the property selection, the, the data that's in place, where are the sources of this information coming from? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm partial to the sources that I've used. There's uh, the rental analytics, because I, I base, I'm focused mainly on rental property. Okay, not the flipping market. I know that a lot of your audience are probably more intrigued by the flipping market, but the people that I know that um, have been very successful in buying and flipping have also peeled off the best units and kept them in their own portfolio. So they're simultaneously generating current income by turning opportunities while they're also building their own portfolio of long-term rentals. And so it's they dovetail now, of course. Rental data, being able to look at any property in the country and have a pretty damn good idea of what it would rent for using sources like rentrange.com, which is the institutional choice for rental analytics, being able to look at historical home price appreciation. I am a big believer. I know that you're not as crazy about buying for appreciation, but I am. Um, and so we analyze a combination of yields, you know, so the rent minus the expenses and having a better understanding of what the expenses are going to be because of the data that exists. And we look at historical home price appreciation. One of the coolest things that, one of the best things to come out of this last 15 years in the housing market, which was a crazy time, presented a lot of opportunities, but created a lot of distress at the same time, is that the housing boom, bubble, and then bust and recovery provides us with a stress test. You can view a market over the last 20 years and how that market performed and how properties in that market performed over a 20-year period through the lens of a stress test. It's like if you were worried that you were going to, you know, you wanted to get tested by your doctor because you had heart problems in your family, they put you on a treadmill, you know, and they work your heart and they work your cardiovascular system and they measure how you perform under stress. Well, I can now see how Charlotte, North Carolina or Cincinnati, Ohio performed over the last 20 years through the stress test. And as an example, if I were to compare, this is hard to do um, with an audio program, but let me just try it. If I took Cincinnati next to Charlotte, next to, say, Phoenix, and I put the 20-year home price chart side-by-side, side, I'd see Phoenix was a wild roller coaster ride, shot like a bat of the hell up, crashed down below the trend line, corrected back. It's been reverberating and bouncing ever since, and it's like really difficult to figure out where it's going to go next because it's bouncing based upon the, the, the stress of the housing crisis. I look at Cincinnati 
and it's like deadpan, 1.5% a year for the last 20 years, and it barely registers the housing crisis in any big way. And then Charlotte's kind of in between. It had a party, it had a hangover, and it recovered. So three different American markets had three different experiences during the housing crisis, and all three of them present different kinds of investment opportunities depending on your plan and your taste. That 20-year home price chart, where is that information? I love that, doing that stress test. Can I Google that information? And if so, what do I put in Google and what do I search for? There's actually only two places that you can get that right now. One of them is that Zillow will give you 15 years, but you have to look for it. It's funny because they changed their... They had a great system for going into a market or a county, MSA, county, state, whatever you wanted, running the the sold price chart, and then opening it up to 10 years and then downloading a, a, a CSV file that would give you 15 years and you could chart it. That's how I did it for a few years, but they changed it um, and they made it harder to find. Um, but it's there if you look for it under the local info. Um, but what's wild about that is here's Zillow, who, you know, Zillow stands for what was, was that name came from the idea of zillions of data points. That's what Zillow stands for. Billions of data puts on housing. Decided for some reason to clip the historical home price appreciation, I think, down to 10 years. So we're usually able to get 20. You can only get 10 now, which means you don't get the whole housing crisis, um, which, again, illustrates from the home ownership industry, looks at investors, they basically turn away. So data that is obviously valuable for investors is now skimmed off the site, I guess, to save disk space because, you know, hard drive space is so expensive now. If you go to my site, there's a tool that I I wasn't going to mention because I'm not trying to sell anything here, but uh, we have a tool called AQ, which is a subscriber-based tool that allows you to analyze a property, and it will give you the 20-year home price appreciation for the county that the property is in as part of it, plus a lot of their fundamental drivers. Um, so that's a source. And then Investability, the site that I'm working with now and we're merging with, Investability.com does not have it yet, but it has great yield data cap rate data, cash-on-cash cash return data that allows you to sort of hire additional inventory by those investment metrics, which is totally awesome. What's the tool called on Own America? AQ. AQ stands for Asset Quality. That's an analysis tool that we built. And then I definitely can tell your, your fans about investability.com because I'm migrating my company with theirs because they built the portal. They've built what is going to be the Zillow for this space. It's got the national MLS um, it's got tons of unique inventory of leased property, you know, performing assets, turnkey, uh, as well as REOs coming onto the site. And you literally can search it lightning fast, just like a Zillow or Trulia. But instead of searching by town, beds and baths and price, you could do all that, but you could also do cap rate, cash on cash return, equity potential, and investability. I mentioned a moment ago, institutional quality data. Investability is fed by all the best data that has been vetted by the Wall Street funds as being the most accurate. Those are the data sets that feed investability. Sounds like a big idea, my friend. Yeah, it's, it's really cool, and I don't take credit for it. I'm, I'm being brought in, and, and Own America is the brokerage operation. Investability is the technology company, and we're in a joint venture so that all the users that go to investability.com and search property that fall in love, because they will. I mean, if you're... Everybody listening should check out investability.com and tell me if you're ever going to go back to realtor.com again or Zillow. You're not going to because it's the same inventory with the right analytics. 
And our job is that when you then say, okay, I found some properties I want to I want to make a deal on or go and see or whatever, I want to take action, it's an Own America trained agent that will receive your inquiry. We're the customer service function for that site. And the reason for that is that everybody everybody that listens to your podcast who has gotten involved in real estate investing knows that if you walk up to the average real estate agent and say, hey, I'm interested in real estate investing, they just get a blank stare on their face. That's not the way when you jump off investability.com, where the company, they'll make sure that an agent who responds to you is uh, knows what they're talking about and has experience as an investment specialist. Going back to that stress test, and you're right. I mean, you painted a very good picture in an audio program, but do you have, would you be able to do an example, just like, you know, have a PDF of maybe three markets compared based on how you would run it with your, your AQ and, uh, and we can have the best ever listeners download that example? Absolutely. I'll make a note and I'll send it to you after the call. Awesome. So best ever listeners, you can go to the show notes page of this episode and you can get an example of the type of technology that they have. And, uh, yeah, I think that'd be really interesting just to kind of see the, the 20 year trends. So we have talked about a lot, my friend, and we haven't even gotten into the best part. Greg, what is the best real estate investing advice ever? You're asking me my best real estate investing advice ever? I'm asking you it. <laughs> my best real estate investing advice is to build a portfolio that the three drivers that create wealth in single family investing are appreciation, leverage, and cash flow in whatever order you want. When you can take 70% LTV financing and apply it to to a single-family investment that generates just a 5% yield, just a 5% cap rate, and you can do 5% in most places in the country. You could do 9%, 8 or 9% in Cincinnati. You could do 6 or 7 here in Charlotte. You could do 4% in New York. And what's amazing is that when you compare Cincinnati to Charlotte to New York, you're going to see Cincinnati is, uh, without breaking a sweat, you can generate a cap rate or a yield of 7%, and you'll get a point if you look at historical appreciation. So the combination of unleveraged home price appreciation average plus yield is 8%. You come down to Charlotte, you're going to generate a 6.5% yield and a 3.5% appreciation historically. That's going to put you at 8. I'm sorry, 65 I have my numbers wrong because I'm crossed right now. It's going to be 6 plus 2 in Charlotte. You go to Dallas, 6 plus 2. You go to Raleigh, it's 4 plus 3. Go to Austin, 4 plus 3. What we found is that no matter where you go in the country, if you look at a standard cap rate on a property that you're not getting a phenomenal deal, it's just face value. You should try to get a better deal, but if you just bought a face value, three-bedroom residence, rented it out, and hired a property manager, and you took that yield, that cap rate, and you added to it the 20-year home price appreciation, you're going to get between 7 and 8% no matter where you go in the country. And so if you, when you're looking, when you find a phenomenal deal in a city like Indianapolis that has a high yield, you've got minimal home price appreciation. When you find a yield in northern Virginia in the D.C. suburbs that's only a 3.5% yield, you've also got a 35 to 4% average appreciation. It's an incredibly resilient asset class when you pair those two things up together. So don't miss one. Understand both. And if you're going to build a portfolio, balance your portfolio. You know, you have the ability to own in more than one place now. So when you look at the whole national landscape, pick markets like you're picking winners. Look at where the people are moving to, where the quality of life is, where the job growth is, where the population trends are moving. 
and pick winners based upon those population trends because that's the kind of common sense that can help you pick markets that are going to have housing demand way, way into the future. If you're holding a rental, people are going to want to keep renting and paying ups. And if you're going to flip it someday, you're going to have a strong demand uh, for folks who want to buy it. But just learn that combination of home price appreciation historical average with yield and discover how consistent the the housing market is across the country when you combine those two things. Wow, that is really interesting. You're basically saying that when you factor in the yield or you know the the return, cash on cash return with the appreciation, all the markets are essentially the same. They all equal uh, roughly around eight percent. Yeah, it's, it's, it was an interesting discovery that came from us. Um, I spent three years traveling the country, training real estate people across the country, real estate agents. This is to be useful and confident and beneficial to investors. So we created a national army of real estate agents who had a clue, okay, who knew what they were doing. They were the exception to the rule. And when I did that, we analyzed their markets together. I taught them how to do it, and we analyzed it, and we started to realize that, damn, no matter where you go, when you add them together, they're between seven and eight. And what that gives you, the reason why that's important is beyond just being able to go and pick winners for your plan, whatever your strategy is, home price appreciation can play a, a, a role in that. Because uh, that's when you, when you leverage it with a mortgage, that price appreciation is where the big gains come in. But it's also the idea that the confidence that it gives you when you realize that an asset class of single-family homes, there's 14 million rental properties that are owned by a landlord and rented by a tenant in this country. There are a million to a million two transactions every year. The industry of realtors is of no use to to the the process of evaluating. It's been a total free enterprise, free market usually one buyer and one seller haggling at a deal, one landlord, one tenant haggling at a deal. And yet when you take tens of millions of transactions across the country, no matter where you go, it's between a seven and an eight. <laughs> it's like totally resilient, totally friction-free, totally free market, and so therefore totally dependable and predictable for investors to be able to build wealth in and not have any kind of wild, you know, not have this concern for crazy volatility that if you only pay attention Five years ago, you think the housing market's volatile. It is not volatile. It is dependable and predictable. Well, in my mind, if I'm if I'm uh, applying this logic and in your findings that you know basically any market at seven to eight percent return, then what I would do is I would just invest in my backyard because that, in my mind, gives me the best position to be successful because I know it so well. Versus trying to go all over the country, but I know you mentioned pick your markets based on you know, population trends and other things like that. But why wouldn't I just invest in my market and try and get as much of a competitive advantage as possible, knowing that all markets going to be 7 to 8%? Great question. I'll give you a great example. Where I just moved from versus where I just moved to, okay? Big difference. Where I just moved from is Westchester County, New York, okay? The most high-tax, expensive county in the country. There are exceptions to the rule in terms of it adding up to a 7%, but I can get a 7 in Westchester because the price appreciation is awesome. But I've got to go into tough neighborhoods, and I probably have to go into two- and three-family dwellings, okay? I go to Charlotte. I can buy working-class neighborhood, good school districts, price points in the $150,000 to $200,000 range, and do it all day long. And so the risk in New York is greater for a number of reasons. One of them is that... Evicting a tenant in New York is different than evicting a tenant in North Carolina, okay? It's harder. Your taxes in New York 
are being spent by mad men and mad women in Albany who never saw a dollar they didn't want to spend three times as much, okay? So your costs are not as under control in New York. People are leaving New York for reasons like that. Businesses are leaving New York for reasons like that. So when I was living there, yes, I could see the property. I could drive by the property. I had benefits of being within close proximity, and I believe in that. But the problem was is I was trading off so much because I'd go someplace else. I could buy what I thought to be a more dependable product for a more dependable tenant in a market that instead of losing population like a gusher, it's attracting all that population because it's such a pro-business, low-tax, under-control state and local government. So there are factors that could cause you to – if your comfort zone happens to coincide with a place that has strong fundamentals, then you get the best of both worlds. But if your comfort zone based on proximity, my suggestion would be this. If you're, say, in New York or who lived in Westchester County, but you've been going on vacation to the west coast of Florida your whole life, check out the west coast of Florida because there's a familiarity there. There's a comfort zone there. There may be a reason to be there a couple of times a year. And now you're talking west coast of Florida where the yields are higher and the population growth is better. That makes sense? That makes a lot of sense. Look at other other variables and uh, take those into account, such as the laws, the landlord-friendly laws or lack thereof, and uh, the risk involved in the type of neighborhoods and type of uh, residents that you'll be having in your properties and, and familiarity as well. All right, my friend, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Need more leads for your investing business? Read the Small Business Owner's Guide to Local Lead Generation for actionable advice that will help you get all the leads you need without breaking the bank. Visit localleadgenbook.com for more info. Greg, what's the best ever book you've read? Best ever book is The Alchemist. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? You know what? I think the best answer to that is that my daughter got diagnosed with scoliosis, which is not life-threatening, when she was a kid. Uh, She's still a kid, but when she was a little kid, three years old, and that was pretty heartbreaking for me and my wife, but not for her. She decided that her brace that she wore, which she had to wear every night for the last, you know, seven years, was a, uh, it kind of came across like an armor, like a, a suit of armor on her torso. So she decided that that was her suit of armor, and she was a, uh, some kind of a, um, a hero <laughs> and she took it like a little trooper and never complained and it just was a, a learning experience to watch somebody while I was crumbling inside she was like oh this is kind of cool and it, it just naturally it, it she fended off the negativity that could have come with that and turned it into a plus wow what a empowering meaning that she took away from that it's such a such an early age too yep best ever success habit you practice I constantly daydream about what I'm hoping is going to happen next that's going to be great in my world. I spend a lot of time visualizing and thinking just naturally about what's next. And I'm going to give you a great one. I drive home every day as a way to, to be grateful for what I've got, pretending that I am me when I was 16 years old or sometime in my past who just got teleported forward into my body and I'm looking through my eyes and I'm saying, 
look where I live, look who I'm married to, look who I work with, look who my kids are. And I almost pretend like as I'm walking into my house after work that my current reality is being revealed to me as my future when I was 16. And I tell myself, hey, this is awesome. I like, uh, I like the outcome. And it's kind of a little game that just puts you in a good mood. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Wow. Do you let the, uh, the family members uh, in on that you're really a 16-year-old in an older person's body? <laughs> I actually do. They're tired of it now. They've gotten over the joke. But I, <laughs> I, I used to walk in and be like, hey, you're my kid. You're a cute kid. And I like stand him up and look him, look at, look him over and say, you're cute. You're mine. <laughs> That's not bad. Hey, look at you. You're my wife. You're pretty hot. I did okay. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> oh, what's the best ever deal that you've done? Best ever deal that I've done. You know what's funny? This is going to sound strange, but my real estate deals have always been something that I wanted and I was willing to pay what it took to get. Um, and I've done a bunch of great deals, and I've done a bunch of great business acquisition deals. And I don't think that I got a great deal on any of them if you define a great deal as getting a great price. I've been the kind of person who's been quality-oriented the whole time to the point where when I decide that I need to bring this home with me, I start to look at that little, like I see people negotiating a 3 or 4% difference at the end. I'm the kind of guy, and your, your listeners are going to laugh because they're going to say, I wish I had a guy like this on the opposite end of every transaction I ever do. <laughs> Once I want it, I need it, and I don't come home without it. Um, and sometimes that means at the end, just just closing the deal and saying, okay, we're a couple thousand dollars apart, I'll take it. You know, So I, I make great deals because I decide there are great things that I want to acquire, and then I don't come home without them. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Oh, that's um, the joint venture with Investability. I have been envisioning, I have a lot of passion for people like you and your listeners. I consider them to be neglected by the profession. It's very much like, imagine if the world of investment in mutual funds and stocks and other equity products was met by an industry who didn't care. An industry of professionals who make money on the transaction but don't have any idea what they're talking about. And I know that there are realtors who would be insulted by this, but I'm just speaking the truth. I know the industry is all about home ownership and not about investing. And now that we've got the brokerage skills and the technology and this investability site that is going to be just dazzling to the people that use it. And if you, when you see, you fast forward to a year from now of what that site's going to have on it in terms of research tools and, and things to make the research, the acquisition, the closing, the insuring, the financing, and the property management of, of somebody's portfolio, and the ongoing financial management of their world through their portfolio, it's just going to blow your mind, and it's finally beginning. And I've been dreaming about this for decades, and now it's happening. Best ever way you like to give back? I'm not as good at this as I could be. It's usually on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I've been lucky enough to have some really good mentors in my life. And I've looked for opportunities to pay it forward with other people, usually younger, and to try to be important to them by being, by understanding them really well and giving them advice, sometimes blunt advice, because they know that I care, that they know that they don't take it as being harshly blunt, just honestly blunt. So the way that I've given back, and I say honestly, I, I haven't done enough for strangers, but the people that are around me in my world, I've, I've, that's where I've, I think I've done the best. Best ever quote. Best ever quote. This is from one of my mentors. 
when I made a, a drastic change and sold the business to start this one, you know, to take a risk um, at 41 years old to start a something that was going to be my big opportunity. He said, quote, there's a point in your life where you just don't effing have to do anything you don't want to effing do anymore. <laughs> and it was, that was me thinking about all the people in my life who might be unhappy about the decision I was about to make. And he just said, there's a point in your life where you don't think about that, you just do what the right thing is. And the effing, you know, he used the, the vulgarity, but it made an impact, as vulgarity often does, to basically say, hey, it's, there's no shame in saying, I know what I'm doing, I'm confident, and I'll put my own butt on the line to go for it. And if you don't agree with me, then we'll still we'll still love each other, but I'm doing it anyway. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? That's one of those questions I have a hard time answering, not because I haven't made them, but because I just learn from them and throw them away as fast as I possibly can. And I have a hard time putting my... I made a deal in a, on a vacation home that wound up siphoning off way too much money out of my, my household. And I'm now selling it, and I realized I didn't do well from an ROI standpoint. I did great from creating memories with my family, but that was not a smart real estate investment. And otherwise, I think if, if, if I had started and learned how to develop technology back in the 90s when I was thinking about what could be, instead of just dreaming about it, but actually started planning it, I'd be retired by now, instead of getting all excited now about the technology that we're finally releasing. What would you say is the best ever place to reach you? My email, greg at ownamerica.com. Well, Greg, thank you so much for being a guest on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners. And you gave a lot of hard-hitting information and uh, your your ventures with the, the joint venture with, with Investability, uh, your own company, Own America, no pun intended, your own company, Own America, where you're the CEO I mean, it's it's really interesting stuff. I mean, investability. I haven't been on there yet, but I will go on there um, immediately after having this conversation and check it out. And I'm glad that you're going to give that example document for the best ever listeners. Best ever listeners, as a reminder, you can just go to the show notes page on my website, and uh, we'll we'll get you that information. And then, you know, some of the things that stood out to me, in addition to just the overall uh, evolution of your career. And uh, what you're what you're talking about in terms of investability in own America, uh, some of the specific things you mentioned about the stress test with uh, the housing boom and bust and looking at that. And again, you'll give that example where the best ever listeners can download it. And then also the rental analytics, uh, looking at rentrange.com. You said that's a institutional style analytic program or, or website where you can get information. Rental analytics, yeah, rentrange.com, best in business. Yep. And and then, you know, talking through how you mentioned the 7 to 8%, no matter where you go in the country, is when you factor in appreciation and yield or cash on cash return. That to me is really interesting. So then I'm glad that we talked a little bit about, okay, well, why don't we just invest in our backyard? Well, there are other variables to consider, as you mentioned, like uh, landlord tenant laws, the type of risk that you need to have or take on and then mitigating that risk and balancing out that risk. But really it's looking to see where where those where the competitive advantage can take place and the competitive advantage factors in those things in addition to where you're located. And and then lastly, you're talking about <laughs> your 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 sixteen year old self. I I freaking love that. What a, a way to look at life and when you're 
when you're 16, I mean, things are fresh and shoot. If you're 16 and you're a listener, then pretend you're six, you know, um, and then look at look at life through that way, because that's whenever there's a whole lot of possibility out there. And not only are we seeing things fresh, but then similar to what you do, Greg, you're visualizing what you want and the world is wide open, full of possibilities. And similar to what your mentor said, you know, there's a point in life where you just you've got to do what you got to do and do the right thing. That's for, that's do the thing that's right for you. Um, and I, I'm really glad that you mentioned that. And and then lastly, the three things that you mentioned, the three drivers that build wealth with single family homes, appreciation, leverage and cash flow. Wow. Whole lot of information. Thank you so much for being on the show. And is there anything else you want to mention to the best ever listeners before we sign off? No, that was great. I really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Greg. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever. 